I knew that that was something I needed to have heart. All right, by Kendrick Lamar, which is high are clearing a house of information. None other than one of those very heroes. So, for those who don't know, I'd like you to take a couple minutes. Are you, are you originally from the Charleston area? And are you in South Carolina? Yeah, I'm raised. Hey, well, my name's Alex. Um, <laughs> the team is Lindy Emanuel. To spread uh, love and Hello world and welcome back to Real Talk with Rajan where nothing's off limits. You could have been anywhere in the world, but you are here with me and I appreciate that. I am your host, Rajan Lewis. Now, here on Real Talk with Rajan, everything's debatable. So on any given week, we could be discussing anything from sports to music to politics. You name it, we'll discuss it. Now, for those who are new to the show, Real Talk with Rajan also has a goal of shining a light on the great things and the great people that are right here in the Low Country, as well as the state of South Carolina and beyond to the nation and the world when necessary. Um, today, I have a very, very special guest. Um, this gentleman goes, uh, really needs no introduction anywhere, especially in the state of South Carolina. Um, we've seen him, we've watched him. We've known him for so long, uh, especially the political community. Um, he's a minority whip. He's one of the longest serving, I believe, if not the longest serving, uh, one of the longest serving uh, congressmen in, in the, in the uh, nation, uh, Congressman James E. Clyburn. And he is my guest for today. Right now, he's still not at his chair, so I'm going to stall. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. If you haven't already, please share, 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 share. This is a Real Talk with Rajan. We do this show every single week to shine a light on the great things that are happening in the low country. All right. Oh, and he's here. All right, all right, all right. The man, the myth, the legend. Thank you so much, Congressman Clyburn. How are you doing, sir? I'm good. How are you? I am phenomenal. I am phenomenal. I, I want to get right to it because I know you have a limited amount of time to speak today. So I, first of all, I want to thank you so much um, for, for taking the time out to do this. I know you don't have to. You'll have a lot of things that you could be doing with your time, but you took the time to do this, and that means a lot to me. So thank you so much for joining us. Well, thanks for having me. All right, all right, all right. So um, please, for those who, for the five people on earth that don't know who you are, please introduce yourself to the audience. <laughs> well, I'm Jim Clyburn. I proudly represent the 6th Congressional District of South Carolina. I'm native of Sumter. Uh, started my professional career in Charleston. Uh, currently living in Columbia and Santee. Okay, okay. So let's get right, let's get right into it. Um, Everybody knows you as, you know, Congressman Clyburn. Um, can you talk a little bit about your background, you know, before you became Congressman Clyburn, that really sparked that flame that made you want to get into um, politics, into legislation? Well, when I was a kid growing up in Sumter, I grew up uh, at the time that um, things were happening uh, to challenge the status quo. Hmm. My father was a minister, my mother, a beautician. Both of them sort of independent uh, of the so-called uh, power structure. Uh, and so my mom was very active in the NAACP, uh, raising money. My father, of course, was pretty active as minister, uh, worked registering people to vote. Uh, and so uh, when I uh, was 12 years old, uh, I um, joined the NAACP 
Youth Council. Uh, and uh, I went to a meeting at uh, Emmanuel United Methodist Church uh, of the Youth Council. Uh, and I don't know what happened, but I came out of the meeting as president. So I became president of the NWC Youth Council when I was 12 years old. Uh, now, I was two months before my 13th birthday when it happened. And of course, um, uh, my dad knew Reverend J.A. Delane. Reverend J.A. Delane is the minister, AME minister, who organized uh, the uh, students and parents uh, over in Summerton, South Carolina. And they challenged segregated schools. Uh, the first case to challenge segregated schools came from Summerton, South Carolina. Now, we all call it the Brown versus Board of Education decision, and we all associated with Kansas. But the truth of the matter is, uh, the Brown case was really five cases. Mm -hmm. The Briggs case from South Carolina, uh, the Davis case coming out of Virginia, Bolton out of um, uh, Washington, D.C., uh, the Belton case out of Delaware, and then the Brown case out of um, uh, Kansas. Mm -hmm. And they were all wrapped into one. So when the Supreme Court ruled in the 1954 Brown v. Board of Education decision, it was five different cases. But the original case came from the little town of Summerton, South Carolina. Yes, I knew all of those people. My dad uh, was very active with those people. Uh, so that's what I grew up in. So I go off to South Carolina State. I graduated high school at 16, went to South Carolina State. And I got involved in the so-called student movement. Uh, met my wife in jail. Um, uh, March 1960. John Lewis and I uh, met each other in October 1960. And I just we were founding members of SNCC, the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. Yes, sir. Uh, so. I've just been involved in all of this all my life. When I started teaching school down in Charleston, uh, I stayed active. Uh, and after three years of teaching school, I got involved uh, in the local stuff there, uh, ran a campaign uh, for the city, first black city councilman in Charleston. I managed that campaign uh, since Julian Devine. And that's when I uh, really got involved in politics. Ran myself in 1970 uh, for the state house. Uh, was declared the winner at 10 o'clock in the evening, but then something happened around 3 o'clock and I got counted out. Uh, and so uh, John West uh, saw my reaction to that. And that's one of the things I uh, try to say to young people uh, is that, you know, no matter what, the situation may be, you don't always, and I learned this, my dad used to tell me all the time, you don't tell people everything that's on your mind. Now, I knew that I was not supported by the powers that be back in 1970. And I knew that nobody was doing me any favors. And quite frankly, I was the only Democrat to lose uh, in 1970. Uh, so the whole Charleston County legislative delegations were, Dem were Democrats except one. And, and that one person uh, 
was a guy named Sinai Limehouse. That's who beat me out of the state house. Uh, simply because I got counted out. So all kinds of rumors were floating around as to why I didn't win. And so when I was asked by a reporter why I didn't win, I told him because I didn't get enough votes. And she said to me, and she said, oh, you know what they're saying. Uh, what do you think really happened? I said, I just didn't get enough votes. And that was the headline the next day. John West had just gotten elected governor. He saw that headline, and he called me and asked me to come on his staff. Wow. And the rest is history. So I tell young people all the time, you don't say everything that's on your mind. Um, <clears throat> that's not what, what I said was not everything I felt. But if I had said what I really felt, I never would have gotten that phone call from John West. Wow. And I never would be where I am today. That's an amazing story. That is an amazing story. Um, and I, I had never heard that story, so thank you for sharing it. I actually heard you speak. Um, you were at um, Emmanuel AME Church. I want to say it was 2017. They, they were having the um, the Omega the Omega's um, award ceremony. You were the keynote speaker. And every time I hear you speak, I'm always given more knowledge, um, you know, that yes, comes from yesteryear, but it's definitely relevant today. So thank you for continuing to do that. Um, I wanted to thank ask you, you about, about, about your history, you know, in civil rights um, and, and how, how it pertains to what we're seeing right now um, in terms of, in terms of, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement and all of these different things that are, that are, that are permeating their way into every walk of life. Um, I know you mentioned, you know, young people, you know, feeling the need to say everything that's on their mind. Um, what do you think about the approach that's currently being taken and, how, how would you, you know, uh, advise the, the, the young people of today to move to get that, that kind of change that you guys were able to impact, to implement, you know, in the 60s and 70s? Well, you know, the challenges for young people today are different from the ones that we had. We lived at a time when, you know, most people didn't have television when I was growing up. Uh, I remember when we got a TV, uh, we were the first uh how I was the first house in the in the community uh, with a television and all of my friends used to come to our house to watch TV. That was a real phenomenon to us. Um I learned my politics from radio. Uh, so uh it's different today. Uh and so I said to young people uh we were able to do things and say things and not have to worry about the consequences. Uh, today, you got to worry about the consequences of everything you do or say. Uh, the internet is one of the best things that ever happened. Uh, it's also one of the worst things that ever happened. I, I was just watching this morning uh, the reports of how many, how much disinformation is being pumped into the African American community mm. via the internet. Four years ago, um, we now know that the Russians were pumping all kinds of disinformation into the black community mm -hmm. and they're still doing it today. And so I would say, especially to uh, young black uh, uh, men and women, you got to be leery of the stuff you see on the internet. I can get it to you right now. Facebook is headed for some serious, serious trouble uh, uh, in the years to come. 
because a lot of people have come to the conclusion that Facebook was complicit uh, in what it did with the Russians uh, four years ago. Now I'm in, in the Congress, and I can tell you right now, uh, even if I wanted to give Facebook the benefit of the doubt, here's something that happened that is shocking to me. Much of the pay that Facebook got came in rubles. Now, the ruble in, in this country, in Russia, is the ruble. Yeah. They were paid in rubles. And that's why you see all the stuff going on about Facebook. So, so much of that stuff they knew were lies. And they pump it into the black community. And so a lot of the black voters, a lot of the black people acted upon information they were getting off of social media, and they were all flat out lies. So uh, it's a difference today. And so young African Americans today are going to have to be much more vigilant than we were. You just, I mean, we didn't have to worry about misinformation, that kind of stuff. You got to worry about that today. Yes, sir. And, and you got to be very careful about that. Yes, and just don't accept everything you see. I see every now and then one of my daughters would come to me showing me what someone said about me on Facebook. And it's based upon what some what they read, somebody else said about me. And it's all just total lies. Yeah. It's yeah. outright lies. And they're acting on it. They are giving me hell about something that never did happen. And we got a president in office right now. You just saw this morning, Exxon, the CEO of Exxon, putting out a statement this morning because of something the president said yesterday. It says, let's be clear. It never happened. Wow. Now, I don't know if it happened or not, but Trump said it happened. And the, and the Exxon people saying it never happened. Hmm. So you can't believe everything you see on this stuff. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, I, I want to I stay, stay right there in, in terms of the, the campaigns, because I do want to, you know, we do have a limited amount of time. So I want to make sure I, I, you know, ask you about your campaign because you are running for reelection. You know, you, you've served, you know, the uh, the sixth district of South Carolina for, for in the United States House. Um, you serve as minority whip. Um, majority whip. Majority whip. I apologize. Yes, sir. Let me put respect on your name. <laughs> uh, but for sure, a majority whip. Um, please, please. Uh, why should people give you another, you know, another term in in the seat that you've you know been in for so long? Well, you know, uh, this is my second time being majority whip, and I know uh, a lot of times, uh, and and that's part of what you're not responsible. We all fall victim to that. You're looking at a black guy and you say, he's a minority. Mm. And uh, in the overall scheme of things, I, I understand how that happens. Mm -hmm. uh, and it happened to me on yesterday. Mm. Uh, and I had to uh, do the same thing I just did. No problem. And it's the no mindset. And, um, so I'm going to blame you for that. Uh, it, 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 it's the way things happen. Yes, sir. Uh, but, you know, uh, my job as, as the majority whip is to count the votes. Uh, I have to make sure. You see, the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, is the Speaker of the whole House. 
the Republicans have a what they call a, a, a Republican leader, mm -hmm. and there's a Democratic leader. Mm -hmm. And so under the Democratic leader is a Democratic whip. Under the Republican leader is a Republican whip. Yes, sir. Yes, so sir. those are the top five positions, the speaker, two leaders, two whips. So uh, whichever party is in the majority, majority. Yes. you're the majority whip or the minority whip. So yes. since the Democrats are now in the majority, uh, so uh, I'm the majority whip, but I'm just I'm the Democratic whip. Uh, uh, as opposed to uh, the Republican whip. So that's, that's how it works. Uh, the speaker decides uh, what the House agenda is. Uh, the leader uh, decides what should come to the floor. And then it's the whip's job to decide how to go about getting the votes. And yes, to whip up the votes. Get the votes. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So I, so I, have to, I have to tell you this, and I think the reason I'm stuck stuck there with the mi minority pieces because the house just was just taken back over by the democrats in the last couple years in the, in the, in the sure. uh, midterm elections so i came to visit your office i've actually been to your office the last three years with the national mentor summit but you're never you're not there usually because you're so busy doing whip stuff but last time right. I, I came you were still minority whip it was still the minority party. <laughs> so that's that's why i was stuck there so i i do apologize there but no uh, problem so, but next time I come, I hope I get to see you because, like, you're you're a major hero of mine. I got I got to be honest. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um. So well, so, let's wait. make sure we do that. Uh, yes, and be sure you come into the whip office, and not to the uh, to my congressional office. It, uh, okay. I do have a congressional office over in Canada, and so a lot of the students will go to that office. Yes. The whip office is over in the Capitol. Okay. Uh, yeah, I was in Canada. Yes, sir. Yeah. And so uh, I'm in the whip office most of the time. So the next time you come, you just make sure to tell a staff you want to visit the whip, not the congressman. Nice. Uh, I, love it. I will do that. I will that do they'll that. make sure they bring to the whip office. Yes, sir. So let me ask you this. Um, in your time, in your time in Congress, what are what are the things that you're most proud of accomplishing, you know, as a congressman and as whip? Well, let me tell you something, and I'm glad you asked that question because I you know, I don't know if there's something that we, you know, I've got three daughters, one of whom, uh, my daughter Jennifer, uh, runs my campaign. She retired, uh, she's a retired educator, uh, taught school for 25 years, and she's now running the campaign. And, and she gets all upset when she sees all this stuff on social media uh, about this, that, and the other. But, but this gives me an opportunity to, to say some things that I uh, I, I, I hope we can share with her. Yes, sir. When I got elected, I got elected in 1992. The two big drivers of South Carolina's economy was tobacco and textiles. Textiles rely upon cotton. Uh, tobacco, of course, was a big, the biggest cash crop. But I knew from my studies, and I knew uh, that tobacco and textiles were not going to be South Carolina's economic engine into the future. Mm. And we now know what has happened. Both of them, by and large, how many textile mills are left in South Carolina? Textiles gone.
tobacco uh, is going to Asia. Now, there's some cotton being grown, there's some uh, tobacco being grown, but they are not the economic engine that used to be. I knew that the future of South Carolina was going to be tourism today and transportation. The two T's, textiles and the bag, are now given away to two other T's, transportation and tourism. So when I got elected, I got on what is called the Transportation and Infrastructure Committee. It was called Public Works back then, but that's what it's called now, Transportation and Infrastructure. Because I knew that in order for me to have the counties I represent to be an integral part of South Carolina's economy, that's where I needed to be. Now, what have been the results? The Lake Man Regional Water Agency was started by me with an air mark. I caught a lot of hell from a lot of people for doing it. Some people stopped speaking to me and have not started back speaking to me yet. To them, that was a waste of money. But I'll tell you what, the Volvo plant that's sitting down there in there, Charleston now, right outside of Somerville in Berkeley County, right across from Dorchester County. I know Somerville's in Dorchester County, but right across the, the, the Interstate Highway uh, in Berkeley County is the Volvo plant. Yes, sir. South Carolina got that plant over the other states because of the Lake Marin Regional Water Agency. Wow. If we did not have that water agency, to produce the water that that plant needed, we never would have gotten the plant. So I don't care what uh, former governors or current governors said to you about what brought, uh, who brought the uh, Volvo plant there. I can't give tax uh, credits. Yeah, the governor can do that. They can do all kinds of incentives to get somebody to locate. But if you don't have the water, you're not, the industry needs water more than anything else. If you don't have the water, you ain't going to get it. Yeah. So because of what we did with the Lake Marion Regional Water Agency, uh, that's what, and that's over $90 million that we put into Lake Marion Regional Water Agency, that's one of the things I'm very proud of. But here's what I'm most proud of. I'm most proud of the fact that when I got elected, we didn't have any uh, national parks in South Carolina. We now have two. When I got elected, I'm sorry, we got three. When I got elected, we didn't have any heritage corridors in South Carolina. We now have two. All five of those things, those three national parks, those two heritage corridors, they are the drivers of tourism. My name. I'm the sponsor of the legislation of all five of those things, all five. The South Carolina National Heritage Carter was my legislation. The Gullah Geechee Cultural Heritage Carter, my legislation. Mm -hmm. The Congaree National Park, the Reconstruction Era National Park, and Fort Sumter, Fort Moultrie, they are now all national parks. And Jim Clyburn is the one that sponsored the legislation for all of them. Yeah. That's what I'm most proud of because these communities are now in the middle yeah. of tourism. In fact, David Beasley was the governor at the time. He created the South Carolina National 
Heritage Carter, and he said in a speech that that, uh, that Heritage Carter uh, would enhance uh, tourism to South Carolina by 700,000 people. He said, we'll get an additional 700,000 people because of that. So when people said, I can't see anything that you've done, I just said, your eyes must be closed. <laughs> Well, thank you for that, uh, Congressman um, Majority Whip uh, Jim Clyburn. I want to ask you one more question because I, I think I have six minutes left. Um, I want to, I want to, I want to ask you about the importance of voting. Um, you know, we are at a time, you know, where where um, you know people are, I think, taking the vote for granted in a lot of a lot of um, cases. They're looking at polls and saying, "Oh, we'll, we're going to get X and Y result based on the polls." Why is it important? I get, I'll make my second and last question. Uh, why is it important that people get out to vote? And why should they vote for you? Well, look, uh, I think that I've earned the vote of, of, of the people of the 6th Congressional District. I, you know, I just gave you, you asked me most proud. You didn't say of all the things I'm proud of. You know, I could go all the way back to the, uh, I, I'm the one that created and, um, and got funded the uh, Matthew G. Perry United States Courthouse. Uh, we can look at, uh, all kinds of stuff we've done. You may have heard uh, of the Call Me Mr. Program, which I'm is a program. Of the Call Me Mr. Program. Are you serious? Yes, sir. You graduate of that? College of Charleston. Yes, sir. Well, you know, that program is run by Clemson University. Yes, uh, if I'm out to the other college university, and guess how I got started? With a Jim Clyburn Airmark. Praise God. I uh, the money to Clemson University to start, to start Call Me Mr. And now it's going national. Is now a national program. I started 10, 20, 30, directing 10% of all the money to where 20% of the more of the population, the stuff we need to the poverty level for the last 30 years. That's now in Joe Biden's platform. That's now in 17 appropriation bills. How did that get started? A Jim Clyburn designation. I have earned the votes of the people in this district. And I defy anyone uh, to challenge anything uh, that I've said here today about that. And I could get into other things as well. But when it comes to voting, it's not just about me. It's about the future. It's about you, your children, and grandchildren. It's about whether or not we are going to project out far enough. One of the problems we have is that people want to see the results of their action the next morning. No, you have to plan short term and long term. If I vote, I may want to see the guy I voted for elected the next day. But you got to look at what is going to take place way down the road as a result of the policies developed by the guy you get elected. And I don't know that a lot of people get nervous when I say this, but when I I have three daughters. When I see the kind of disrespect uh, that the current president seemed to have for women, and especially black women, when he referred to uh, a woman, an African-American woman who worked on his staff, looked in the camera and referred to her as a dog, mm. when he referred to Kamala Harris, the first Asian-American woman, African-American woman, to ever serve on a major national party ticket or run for vice president, called her a monster. Mm. And something about that word monster, I just noticed a letter 
uh, here from a, a white constituent here in Richland County referring to a black a member of the school board here as a monster. And I'm saying to myself, there must be some new term being used uh, out here. Why would you call Kamala Harris a monster? There's something going on here. And that is what uh, is happening with, with, with women. So I don't understand how any man with a daughter or a sister or an aunt or a cousin or who had been born of a woman can support somebody who would do that. So your vote is very important, and you need to think about stuff. Don't uh, forget about social media. Look at what the guy is saying to you when you look at him on the evening news. Uh, and, and just remember the history. Robert Smalls, who was born in Beaufort, South Carolina, was a slave, got his freedom there in the Charleston Harbor, got great wealth, served in the House of Representatives for 10 years here in Columbia, and served in the United States Congress, House of Representatives, for 10 years. But when he died in 1915, he died of a broken heart. Why? Because all of his rights and privileges as a citizen had been taken away. And so I will say to young people, no, no matter how high you may be flying today, just remember your history. Robert Smalls got to be a very wealthy man after being born a slave. But he was just one cut above being a slave and he died because his rights were taken away because the wrong people got elected to office. Because we got a Supreme Court that decided implicit versus Ferguson uh, that's separate but equal. It would be the law of the land. Yes, sir. And so that's why it's necessary to vote. You got to vote. We got a Supreme Court right now that just got rid of the Voting Rights Act seven years ago. That's now vowing to get rid uh, of the Affordable Care Act. That's why it's important to vote. And don't think about voting just for the president. No president ever been to your school board meetings. Mm. You need to vote for school board elections. You need to go for city council and county council. Vote for state legislators and state uh, house members and senators. And vote for your county officers. The person who runs the coroner office. Make the decisions uh, that affect people's lives. Not just the ones who may have died, but their relatives who were left behind. Yes, sir. You need to be voting for everybody. And so I just think it's important to vote. And just think about uh, your future and your children and grandchildren. You got to vote. You got to participate. Because after every election, somebody is going to win the office. Mm. And just because you stay out of the activity doesn't mean you won't have it any better. Absolutely. Absolutely. I want to thank you so much. I, I, I think that's a great place to drop the mic right there. Um, I know you do have a, you know, another uh, engagement you have to get to. So I want to, again, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your, um, your, 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 your words of wisdom. And I, of course, I wish you all the best in, in, the, um, in this upcoming election and in years to come. I, I want to personally thank you as somebody who is a young black man, who is a graduate of the Call Me Mr. Program, who has um, political aspirations in the future one day, um, to, for, for your example. 
Um, I want to thank you for, for being a stalwart. Thank you for being uh, a person who we can all look to as an example, um, as a father, as a husband. Um, and again, you know, just, it's just there's so much I could say that I just I, I, I want to tell you. So I, I just want to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank, thank you, thank you very much. I had no idea that you were going to call me Mr. Program, uh, but thank you so much for being such a good represent, uh, representative of that. That program was started so that you guys can be role models for young people, especially in elementary schools. And so you are a great role model. And thank you so much for being what you are. Yes, sir. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your for, for again for the words, and I appreciate it. Thank you everybody for watching. I'm going to go ahead and interview in the interview here. I'm not going to do my long spiel. I just want to say that God is everything, and without Him, we are nothing. So never forget where your help comes from. And if a man doesn't stand for something, he's bound to fall for anything. Now that is real talk. I will see y'all tomorrow. Peace.